Welcome to Guided by Third Wheel, the podcast. My name is Amber Ireland, and I'm here with my co-host, Jill Bucaro. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Guided by Third Wheel. When we ended our last podcast, we had the bright idea to talk a little bit about um, some self-help books. I don't know if I would call them all self-help, but some books that have really helped both Amber and I just on our journey around self-care, self-discovery, things like that. So I have compiled a wild little list here in Mm -hmm. my journal. The first thing I've learned is that I have read a million trillion self-help books. (laughs) Um, So we are certainly not going to go through all of them. But I know for me, and Amber, you probably get this too, I get a lot of people reach out to me that are like, you know, I kind of want to start being more intentional about working through some of my shit, making my self-care practices better. And a lot of people ask me, what book should I read? Mm-hmm. And I think there's some books, and that's what we're going to start with, that everybody should read. I think that there are, there are certain books out there that every single human being on this planet would benefit from. Mm-hmm. But then I think there's certain subsets of books that are better for people, depending on what they're struggling with, right? Is it trauma? Is it anxiety? Is it like you know, relationship attachment or trauma from that, um, all of those different types of things. I think there's a great subset of books for people who are social workers or working in the social service field. Mm -hmm. So we'll try to hit some of those different categories at the end. Um, At first I had this like beautiful idea that we would like link all the books, but that's never going to happen because I have like 37 on this list. So (laughs) we will try, I'm going to try to be really mindful while we go through about naming the name of the book, and the author. Mm-hmm. So you guys can pause, write that down, you know, and hit Amazon, Google, wherever you get your books. So maybe get a pen and paper. I don't know. Um, but we'll get started. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Julie, we want to talk first just kind of about um, sometimes the stigma around a self-help book, yes. especially in the social service field, especially when you have a license and mm-hmm. you've been taught all of these things. And it's like, you know, well, a self-help book is is not for you because it is too, you know, basic. Pop psychology, not rooted in theory or evidence-based practice. Yes. And I think particularly for us social workers who have been through master's programs or clinical master's programs, Mm. there's a lot of stigma around self-help. I literally had a professor tell me, like, self-help books are for bartenders and hairstylists, right? Like that's, they, it's cheap advice essentially is what they said, yeah. which number one is like classist and gross. And number right. two is just bullshit. I just mm-hmm. don't believe it. Um, do I base a lot of my clinical practice like in evidence-based, you know, practices and modalities? Yes. But mm-hmm. do I also use a lot of the like concepts and ideas and things that I've gotten from self-help books? Yes, I have. I yeah. think we need to have a variety of diverse tools in our toolbox. Mm-hmm. And I think self-help is is really good. And a lot of these books are written by doctors and professors and clinical psychologists, mm-hmm. right? And people who have been in the field for a really long time. So, um, yeah, I don't – I used to kind of, like, believe that or be nervous or I'd be, like, embarrassed, right, that I was reading a self-help book. But um, I just don't feel that way anymore. No. 
And I think that I have personally experienced a lot of growth and come to a lot of revelations um, because of some of the stuff that I've read. Yeah. And I think, too, we think of, you know, if you think about self-help books and you're like, oh, it's coming from all these different people, you know, how much do they really know? This isn't evidence-based, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we walk around the world all the time and we observe things and we hear things from other people and people that we trust. And, um, you know, that's not all evidence-based. That's not all you know, by some, you know, doctor that's got, you know, 40 years of experience. Yeah. That's our own personal experience. And we take what we need from that to help ourselves move forward. And I think it is the same thing with self-help books, um, listening to podcasts, mm-hmm. you know, reading all different types of text. It's like, you know, you may read something the way someone says it that really inspires you um, to go deeper, to really reflect upon your own life, um, and reflect upon things that maybe you want to have different in your life that you wouldn't have gotten out of some type of scholarly text. Absolutely. No, I think that's so true. And we even have a space for that in the social work field that's called practice wisdom, right? Right. Which is, which is using your experience, the experience of the people who have been in the game longer than you to inform your interventions and your practice with clients. So yes, I am, I'm with you a hundred percent. And I just think sometimes like to your point, the the scholarly articles and the journals, they can be really hard to digest sometimes. Right. And, you know, books, these self-help books that are, like, made for both clinicians and, you know, other people, just regular, r- everyday people, are going to be a lot easier to digest. Right. And what's also interesting, I think, is we're going to run through a bunch of these, but so many of them say the same thing. Like, right. it reminds me of, like, you know, when we think about, like, spirituality and God and religious mm-hmm. texts and it all boils down to the same shit every right. single time. Right. But to your point, you know, we need to try different things so it hits us the way it needs to hit us, right? right? So we can access it um, in the moment. So, yeah, a lot of this, I mean, probably if you read five of these 37, you'd be good to go, right? Because right. I do notice the more that I read, I'm like, oh, it's saying the same shit over and over again. But sometimes right. shit I need to hear over and over again yeah. for it to click. And in a lot of different ways and from a lot of different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and and we think about just, you know, it, when we're when we're talking about, like, the social service field, everyone hits hard on the fact that, like, the only way that you are going to help or provide influence to someone is to build a relationship with them, for them to have that connection with you. And so it is the same way in text. Like, you know, if I find an author that I feel connected to, I am more likely to be able to take what they're saying and internalize it than I am with somebody that I'm not connected to. Absolutely. And I know for me, yeah, there's certain like kind of self-help gurus that I follow, that I read their books, I, you know, listen to their podcasts because I just, that what they say resonates with me and my experience, mm-hmm. right? And then I talk to, you know, people, my friends, and they're like, oh no, I don't really like her. She rubs me the wrong way. But right. yeah, to your point, you find something that clicks. Yeah. Okay. The other point that we wanted to make before we got into our list is we talked about this in the last podcast too, that... um Sometimes, like, you just need to hear something so you don't unhear it again. Right. And that's how I feel like a lot of these self-help books are. It just challenges you to think about your life, think about your experience in a different way. Mm -hmm. And then once you get that little inkling, once you get that little nugget of knowledge, Mm -hmm. you can't 
unthink it, right? right. Your mind has expanded, right? right? You are able to to view that situation in a different way. And so that's why I also think it's important to kind of read some of this stuff and go on these journeys of self-discovery. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, to your point of not being able to unhear it and to, you know, be able to look at things from different perspectives. I've also found that there have been some help, self-help type of books that I have read that I have found to be absolute bullshit. Mm. And I get into it and I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, this yes. person is wild. Mm-hmm. And there is no way that I am going to use what is in this book because, like, this person is, you know, like, you know, how they're writing things is very elitist. It's very sexist. It's very gender biased. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I always recognize that, like, oh, okay. Well, that was a learning opportunity for me too. Yeah. Right. That was a way for me to recognize something about the way that um, the world is working around me, mm-hmm. whether I like it or not. Mm-hmm. This is right? some people believe this. Some people right? think this. Some people subscribe to this. Not what I subscribe to, but good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because as I talk to other people in the world who are not me, and I have to recognize that everyone is not me as much Which as I upsetting. would like them to be. <laughs> um you know, make my life a lot easier, but I can then have a broader understanding when I am presented with people who, who don't, who don't think the same way that I do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, absolutely. I think, yes, I think there is definitely value in that as well. And it's still, even if you don't agree, it's still expanding your mind, right? You're still hearing different perspectives, which is important. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, by Jill and Amber, in no particular order, Yes, books that I think everybody in the whole wide world should read. Mm-hmm. Um, so, my first one is probably an unpopular opinion among some people, but the first one I wrote down is AANA, or 12 Steps and 12 Traditions. Mm. So, I am not in recovery. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not. Um, but I think, one, for social workers you need to read these books. And mm-hmm. two, um, for someone, and we'll get into this later too, that has, I just think, I don't know if I want to call it trauma, confusion, some unsettled kind of feelings around religion. Mm-hmm. I think the way that that AANA and 12 Steps and 12 Traditions kind of outline spiritual um, spirituality, reliance on a higher power, I think it's a really unique perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily... Um, religiously coded, right, in the way right. that some religious texts are. And I think it's it's a nice foundation mm-hmm. in trust and relinquishing control and, you know, understanding that the universe will unfold as it should mm-hmm. um, and, and letting go, right, mm-hmm. of some of that managing and, and controlling behavior. Yeah. So that was on my list. Um, one that we talked about too, Amber, that kind of, I think, fits into that category. And when you think historically about like traditional self-help books, that that coin or that term was kind of coined by the AANA movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other book that falls in there is Codependent No More. Right. Which I know you've read that one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Melody Beattie. I think that's a very good book um, yeah. for everyone to read. Yeah. As well, mm-hmm. um, because I think many of us, particularly those of you that are listening that are in the helping professions, mm-hmm. probably would see in that book um, some behaviors and compulsions and mindsets mm-hmm. um, that kind of fall into that codependent category. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, honestly, like 
even if you're like there, I have never been codependent in my entire life. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think that that is me at all. Read the book. <laughs> Because I have a feeling that you you will find aspects in there that you're like, oh, I didn't even really consider that. And does that mean like you get in there and you read it and you're like, oh, you know that I do do that or that has happened. And does that mean I'm codependent? No, it doesn't. I mean, you don't have to like diagnose yourself or something crazy. Like it's just something to witness and be like, oh, okay, you know, maybe I just need to watch that right? Maybe yes. I just need to watch and see, like, how does that change the way that I'm in relationship with other people? How does that make me feel when I'm in relationship with people and I have that behavior or I have that thought process, right? Like, things that we may have never really honed in on. Yes. And I think it's kind of a foundational text for boundary setting. Absolutely. And, you know, we talk a lot about boundaries and the relationship between boundaries and self-care. And I think that codependent, no more, like AA, like NA, these are what I would call like foundational mm-hmm. kind of like starting to round out mm-hmm. your your spirituality and your self care kind of practices and Mm -hmm. even if people are not codependent which shout out to the people out there who are not codependent jealous of you um certainly we're all going to experience relationships where there is enmeshment and there are poor boundaries and i think Mm -hmm. codependent no more um is is useful for that so i had those ones on my list i think too we what was the name of the one i gave you i am i am not a fantastic um book reporter as jill is but um the the dodging energy vampires okay um i think that that really is a good book um around boundaries as well that's by what what do we christian northrup okay dodging Um, energy dodging energy vampires and um you know really it i I already knew that there were people in my life that were kind of like energy vampires, Mm -hmm. right? And when we talk about energy vampires, we're talking about um, those people in your life that really like you get around them and when when you are finished talking to them or you're finished interacting or even while you're interacting, you're like, God, it just feels like you are just depleting every last bit of energy that I have right? They're the people that want you to do things for them. They want to like dump all of their, um, you know, shit on you and be, and tell you all of the things and then almost expect you to fix it. Mm -hmm. Um, like the, and they like sit in like the woe is me victim mode and, um, they, you know, they call you about just literally everything, yes. like to attend to them. Like, oh my gosh, I'm having this going on, you know, attend to me, attend to me, right? And um, so it really is a good book to identify that and see all of the different ways because some of it is kind of like, there were things that I like knew, right? Like I knew certain people were doing that. Sure. And then as I read the book, I'm like, oh my gosh, they were doing that like, on a very like low level that I wasn't even registering to but me. But it was still sucking the but energy. But it was still happening, right? Yes. And you know, and so it, it teaches you how to recognize it. And I think once you can recognize that happening, it becomes a lot easier to draw the boundary, right? Because mm-hmm. you know what you're drawing a boundary to. Because, you know, that like energy vampire stuff, it's just 
it's partly codependent. Yes. Right? I think it definitely falls in that bucket. Mm-hmm. Right. But also, um, you know, you, you just, you have to be able to see it. Like, right. And again, it's hard. And, and I think sometimes like that book gives you the, the verbiage and the words to articulate what is mm-hmm. happening in your gut. You know, this is not healthy. Right? right. But then the book gives you the ability to, to name it. Um, my cousin who is very wise, she always says we can only solve our problems as quickly as we can identify them. Right. You know, and it allows you to identify what's going on there. So I think that would be another good foundational mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Um, I think that Brene Brown is a great place to start for foundational kind of self-exploration, self-care mm-hmm. type of books. Um, the two books I typically recommend by Brene Brown to start out with are either Gifts of Imperfection or Daring Greatly. Mm-hmm. And this is where I do like the really terrible thing and like the not accurate thing of kind of dividing people into two buckets, right? I think there are some people, and I fall into this bucket, that are um, super high performing, super perfectionistic, always hustling for validation, always hustling for worthiness, um, think that if you mess something up, you are not, you know, deserving of of love and belonging and all of those types of things. And for people like that, I think Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown is where you need to start. Mm-hmm. For people who um, maybe are still high performing but have like a lot of fear, have a lot of maybe some imposter syndrome, feel themselves like always gearing up but never really making a lot of progress towards their goals, for people that are feeling stuck, um, I would recommend Daring Greatly. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of like the distinction I make there. Yeah. And I am one of the most like high-performing perfectionistic people I know. And I still got a ton out of Daring Greatly. Let mm-hmm. me say that. I think they're yeah. both good. Um, and it's just, again, super foundational. The Gifts of Imperfection, I probably have like a little special connection to that one. That's the first like kind of self-helpy book I ever read. Mm-hmm. And I tell this story a lot because I think it just shows how profound um, just like expanding how you think about things is I opened gifts of imperfection I read the first I don't even I don't even think I got to the actual book I think I was reading like the foreword by Mm -hmm. Brene and I shut the book and I was like I need to end the relationship I'm in like that's how profound it was Mm -hmm. like it just show like shined a light on things that I was just unwilling to admit, unwilling to look at, unwilling to see. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, it speaks to that. Like, we need to continually do things to broaden our perspective of what's going on in our life. Right, right. And also, you know, you talk about, like, two buckets of people and, um, you know, for these two different books. But also recognizing that, like you said, the other book was also extremely helpful to you. And knowing that um, both of those characteristics can lie within you at the same time it's not an either or like you can be extremely high functioning um and also you're you are functioning and there are things that you're not getting to because of that fear like you're you're paralyzed a little bit Mm -hmm. right yeah no i think both of those things are true but um you know, some people don't want to read 37 books like me, right? Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, let me pick one, Jill. And I'm like, read them all. Right. Ideally, you would all read them all, but. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, here's the thing. You know, whatever book that you pick up to read because you're like, you know, I I heard this podcast or I've heard this from a friend or whatever. Um, you know, trust that you're going to get what you need out of it. 
Because yes. that's what's going to happen. Yes. Yes. The universe, I believe, will direct you to the book that you need. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Or the person that you need or the podcast that you need mm-hmm. or the little TikTok video that you need to hear at that time. Yes. That kind of sparks that inspiration in you to be like, oh, I need to look at this a little closer. Mm-hmm. Right. Or mm-hmm. I need to make this change here. Um you know, and that's how we get our pivots. I mean, Absolutely. that's, how we, that's yes. how we get the inspiration for our pivots. Yes. What we need gets dropped into our path for yep. sure. The next ones, I'm going to name three books all at once because I think they all basically say the same thing. They've all been recommended to me. And I would call them more um, spiritual kind of books. I think a lot of them are rooted in what we would maybe categorize as kind of like Buddhist I don't, theology is the wrong word, like Buddhist uh, theory. theory. Thank mm-hmm. you, Amber. Where it's a lot about like understanding that like life is fleeting. We can't get too attached, right? We mm-hmm. need to, we need to find like the self within us that is able to observe what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. We don't need to get caught up in the sea of emotion. We need to like really boil it down to the us on the inside, right? Mm-hmm. That's able to just observe, be curious, right? And take on that information to move forward. Um, I think all three of these books are phenomenal. And I think they literally all say the exact same thing. Um, so, And I'll tell you which, I mean, yeah, I can give a little bit more distinction. So the first one is The Untethered Soul by Mm -hmm. Michael Singer. That's a pretty popular book. I imagine people have heard of that one. Another one is called The Four Agreements, which is like Mm -hmm. based on some kind of like, I think it's from Central America, like some real ancient kind of wisdom mm-hmm. and spirituality. And I forgot to write down the author of that. Oopsie I feel doodles. like I have read that one too. Let me look. I so the four agreements is very short. So if you don't like to read of the three, I would pick the four agreements because it's itty bitty. So Amber will look up yeah. the author of four agreements. Like I said, Untethered Soul by Michael Singer and A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Mm. Um, and he's written a couple of books as I well. I do like Eckhart Tolle. Yes, with those same kind of... Um, but be ready when you read an Eckhart Tolle book or listen to one. Because sometimes it is just like a little mindfuck. It is a bit of a mindfuck. And, and I would put these in order from like easiest to toughest read. Easiest mm-hmm. read and quickest read would be Four Agreements. Yes. Next up would be Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And that is my favorite of the three. That one resonated with me the most. And to Amber's point, Eckhart Tolle is a little bit headier. I think he goes a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his is was a longer read, but perhaps a bit of a deeper read. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I would I would rank them kind of in that order from like least to most aggressive. But I mean, the Four mm-hmm. Agreements is it's small, but man, is it packed with with fucking like meaning and, and yeah. stuff like that. Who's the author? Don Miguel Ruiz. Okay. Perfect. And it's a little book. Like, The Four yeah. Agreements, like a little pocket book. Um, it's a good one. And I think that that's kind of my f- final, like, foundational book. Mm-hmm. I would read a Bre- Brene Brown. I would read one of these kind of spiritual books. I would think about some kind of 12-steppy, um, whether it's Codependent No More, AA, or NA, or 12 Steps and 12 Traditions. And I would start there. That's what I would tell mm-hmm. everybody. Pick one of those and kind of see what resonates, see what hits, mm-hmm. and keep it moving. Yes. And also, if you have read a book about the Eightfold Path, the Buddhist Eightfold Path, is mm. Eightfold. I have not. <clears throat> However, <laughs> like a thousand people have brought that up to me. Yes. And I keep saying, like, I need to read a book. We'll put that and one on that my is list on my read. list of things. 
um, to do before the end of the year because um, as I, um, if you explore into also, um, and I don't remember the names of the books, but there are a few Reiki books out there on, um, if you look for the ones that are authored by Franz Stein, um, they are um, part of the Yusui tradition of Reiki. And um, you can find a lot of things in there that kind of go along with that Eightfold Path. It is not, it is not a Buddhist type of a book, but the kind of the concepts around like the Reiki precepts and things like that can sometimes be helpful in, we just did this in our energy retreat, but mm-hmm. um, around grounding and self-help in those areas and just things that you can say to yourself, like mantra type work where you can um, remind yourself of kind of like who you are and what you are, what you have to do every day. Like, so for today, I don't have to worry. I get to make a choice on how my, how my life moves forward in the journey that I'm on. Um, But also, also I can, I can relinquish some control there because I can choose not to engage in some of those more controlling behaviors. Right. And what's so interesting to hear you say that is like, the in, in having done the work that I've done, the Reiki precepts align almost perfectly with AA, mm-hmm. align almost perfectly with the stuff that's in the four agreements and the mm-hmm. untethered soul. And right. that's where it's kind of what I was talking about. It's just like, where do we want to access? Right. How do we, what makes the most sense for our life and our experience and our perspective to access this wisdom? Right. Because I think a lot of it is really, really similar. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wrote down, I think maybe we should go here next. I wrote down a couple books and Amber has one that are good books just for like quick and dirty every single day, like read Mm. something short. So like what we think about, like um, there's a lot of like religious texts that have devotionals, like just Mm -hmm. a short little message um, to kind of get your day going. Part of my self-care practice, um, every morning I read either, you know, five to seven pages of a self-help book. Or right now I have like, um, I'm reading a book called The Pivot Year by Brianna Weist. Um, and it's just 365 little, I don't know, meditations, devotionals, whatever you want to call it, right? Like mm-hmm. three or four paragraphs with an idea. It takes you about 90 seconds to read. It hits you hard. It makes you engage in some reflection. And then off you go. Mm-hmm. So I wrote down a couple of those. Um, Brianna Weist, um, W-I-E-S-T. I think I'm saying her name right. She just, I think, is she's just has a lot of really... I don't know, I think really thoughtful meditations, at least that really resonate for mm-hmm. me. So her newest book is The Pivot Year, and it's 365 okay. of these meditations. I started it in June. I'm cruising through. I read it every morning. She also wrote the book, A Thousand Essays to Change the Way You Think. So mm-hmm. these essays are, they're not long, but they're longer than the ones in The Pivot Year. Okay. Anywhere between like two to five pages, I would say. Um, and you could, in theory, read one of these essays each morning. Mm-hmm. Amber wrote down, "It's the complete notes from the universe." And who who wrote it over there? Mike Dooley. Yeah, um, and that's a nice book. I I call it. I it's you know obviously it's not a Bible, but I call it Bible dipping. Actually, that came from another book called Running with Scissors, um, where the dad was um, is it's a 
I think it's a fiction book. It might be nonfiction. I don't know. I read a long time ago, but I really liked it. And there was, a, I think there was a movie about it, but he called it Bible dipping. Like anytime that they, the family needed like some guidance or a message, he would like open up the Bible and put his finger and then read that. So, you know, I, I, the notes, the complete notes of the universe, you could do it front to back. And it's kind of like a, it's like what you said, where it's just, it's a brief, um, quote like an inspirational quote or a little paragraph um that is you know uplifting or makes you think about a, a concept um and you could you could do one every day and go through you know the pages of it it's a pretty th- i don't know how many are in there it's it pretty thick like book. A lot. um or you could bible dip you could just like open her up open her up and look at whichever one comes up first that's what i like to do because you know like it's also it feels like i'm pulling cards and that kind of stuff right like the universe is giving you what you need (laughs) one book that i love to bible dip and that is on my list um and anybody who knows me knows that i am 100 percent obsessed with glennon doyle Mm. who has written a bunch of self-help books um she has a great podcast called we can do hard things Mm -hmm. um and, you know, some episodes are better than others, right? I've listened to every single one because I'm a, I'm a true Glennon believer. But Glennon wrote the book Untamed. Mm-hmm. came out in 2020. It was a super big bestseller. I think a big kind of like, you know, pop psych, self-helpy kind of book. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way she writes is that it's – they're like brief little stories. And certainly you can read it front to back. And there is like – you know, there are some lines and some themes that carry mm-hmm. on throughout. But I Bible dip a lot with Untamed. Okay. Um, because again, most of her chapters are like two to seven pages. You can read them in a couple minutes and it just, at least for me, like really, really resonates with my experience with the things that I struggle with. Mm-hmm. I do think, um, women, and I think, you know, if we're being honest, particularly, particularly the experience of like middle-class white women, mm-hmm. I think, um, what I hear is that her stuff really, really resonates. So I would mm-hmm. highly recommend that book. Um, for anyone who hasn't read it. So mm-hmm. Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Also good for the Bible dipping as well. Mm. Okay. Um, so those are our daily ones. I guess maybe do we want to talk a little bit about um, dealing with like trauma, hurt, unpacking some of our shit kind of books. Yeah. Sure, let's get deep and sad. Fuck it. Let's do that. So I did put codependent no more under that one. And I think the the dodging energy vampires can fall under that as well. Yes. Because it's kind of, I think, when you're thinking, to me this kind of is is family stuff, um, Mm -hmm. maybe some trauma you've had in like intimate partner relationships, um, overcoming breakups, issues if you're struggling like you know with your children or estrangement Mm -hmm. from other family members these are kind of the books that I think are useful to help you kind of really look inside and start to unpack some Mm -hmm. of the shit that you're dealing with yeah um in that same vein of codependent no more I put the book um called adult children of emotionally immature parents Mm -hmm. and that is by Lindsay Gibson um and that book was recommended to me. You know, somebody just said, like, wow, I read this book, Jill. It, like, really changed my life. And I think we have to, like, pause here. And, you know, I do not have children, but I am a child. And I have a lot of friends with children and people that I love with children. And I think it's safe to say that we're all going to fuck up our kids in some way. Oh, right? Yeah. There are certainly no parents out there that don't fuck up their kids. Yeah. Would you say? Yeah. We're no, all humans. Abs- we fuck each other up. Well, yeah. And because I think, too, you know, we... 
we are all children, right? Like we've Mm -hmm. all had some type of upbringing um, by someone and, you know, we're human. So, you know, even in, you know, the, what we would consider those, the best, you know, caregiver relationships, we find things in there that we're like, we'll never do that to my kids. Mm. I'll never do that. Right. And then sometimes the pendulum swings the other way. And so you're like, because I'm never going to do this thing, I start doing things that um, I think would counteract, Mm -hmm. right? And sometimes you go too far in that counteract, right? Right. Um, And then, you know, then your kids are like, oh, well, I'm never going to do that, you know, because that wasn't good for me. And, you know, and parenting is hard because, I mean, truly, like, we, you know, we're talking about self-help books and there are parenting books out there. Yes. But nobody, like, I, you can read all of the books and try to be prepared and, like, have all of the, like, understanding of how to keep your child alive. <laughs> I mean, truly, like, keep, keep that them alive. That is step alive, one, keep make, them alive. Make sure, you know, they're meeting developmental milestones and things like that and, um, but, you know, our kids come into the world with their own soul and their own journey. Yes. And and none of them are the same. You know, you, you have three kids and they are all extremely different. Mm-hmm. And if you're like, you know, I parented them all the same. Well, you, you shouldn't have, you know, <laughs> but maybe you didn't know that that was a thing, right. you know, and. And I think that there, you know, we just have to, we have to recognize that, that, you know, your parents didn't do anything. Like, they probably did the best they knew how to do. I think, yes. Very rarely in my life have I encountered a parent who was not doing the best that they Mm -hmm. could do. You know, sometimes their output, not great. Right. right? But I still believe that their input was the best that they could do. And so adult children of emotionally immature parents, I thought was great. Mm -hmm. Um, One, I think it speaks to some of that codependent stuff. Two, I think for me, it helped me also recognize some of the emotionally immature behaviors I engaged in. Because, you know, we model behavior from the people Mm -hmm. around us, often our parents, sometimes other family members, sometimes friends, sometimes partners. So, I mean, I think it helped me recognize like, okay, here are some of the things that my parents might have done. And here are some of the behaviors that I have adopted, right, right, in my own um, relationships with Mm -hmm. others. And I thought it was really great. Helped me engage in Mm self-reflection and really just made me think of about um, just emotionally immature behaviors in general. Mm -hmm. Um, So I like it. And I think, you know, for people that that maybe have a more complicated relationship with their parents, maybe there's not like outright or Mm. overt like abuse trauma like that, but it just feels like maybe you and your parents aren't seeing eye to eye on things now that you're an adult. I think this is a good book to help create empathy on both sides. Oh, yeah. So highly recommend that one. For sure. And I think I've, I, again, I am not a great book reporter, but... (laughs) Um, I believe that I did read that and also, and I don't remember the name of it, but it was another book in that same, in that same vein, right? Yes. In that same vein of, um, you know, parents and having, a, like, if, you, if you're struggling in a relationship with your parents, like, trying to unpack what that could be, right? And, um, and I felt... You know, as a parent reading those books, Mm. it was very eye-opening for me as to, like, 
why did I do the things that I yes. did, right? And being able to forgive yourself and to look at your parents and forgive them too, because like nobody was trying to do anything right. that was like malicious or anything like that. It just was what it was at the time until we knew better. Yes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And I think, yeah, and there is some, some, it speaks to some of that inherited kind of trauma, trauma that mm-hmm. is passed through families and behaviors right. that are passed through families. Another book um, that speaks to all of that stuff as well is Emotional Inheritance mm. by Galit Atlas. So Emotional Inheritance is rooted in psychodynamic theory. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a psychodynamic clinician or I don't know how, how you would say that which is Freudian theory mm-hmm. um, for people who are not like you know in the field and stuff and I am not Freud's biggest fan um, right. for a number of, yeah. that we do not need to get into in the podcast um, however I do think um, that some of these advances in psychodynamic theory are very very interesting and I think emotional inheritance um, is good for people that do feel like there is perhaps trauma passed down through families. And she talks a lot about her research of um, like families where a couple generations back people were survivors of the Holocaust or there was like some kind of major like sexual abuse or incest going Mm -hmm. on. Or when you think about, um, you know, like trauma passed down because of like racism and, and, you know, living, you know, as a person of color in America. Mm -hmm. For me, it was really interesting. I have two grandparents um, that both lived in different parts of Europe during World War II. Mm -hmm. So my grandmother um, spent a couple years of her childhood in a refugee camp um, in Eastern Germany slash Russia. And, um, you know, my grandfather was in Sicily and like saw his village get bombed and, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of experienced like the rap of war and mm-hmm. then came to this country as immigrants and and because of that like really what I would call like significant war trauma mm-hmm. um, I thought the book was really really interesting right in looking at some of the behaviors that have manifested in that side of my family mm-hmm. so I think for people that maybe have um, just some some historical trauma in their mm-hmm. family I thought it was very very interesting right. and from just a more academic perspective as a clinician I thought mm-hmm. it was cool. Um, to hear, to learn more about psychodynamic theory. Right. And I think that helps you understand the world and other people as well, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, why, why are you feeling that way? And we can look now and say like, oh, okay, well, this might not even be something that you directly experienced, but someone along your ancestral line did. And those stories, though you don't recognize them as direct stories, have just been passed along to where now you have this emotional response yes. um, that maybe yes. you don't even recognize anymore. Why? Why, right? why do you have this fear? And you know, and it's interesting, and it's it's a little woo woo because it talks kind of about like the trauma that we carry, right? Mm-hmm. And how trauma can often skip generations. Mm-hmm. Um, and it talks, you know, to some of that too. And um. And I don't know, and I think a lot of us feel like, and I think there's different reasons for this, that sometimes we feel like we come into this world carrying baggage that isn't ours, right? Mm -hmm. Is it baggage from a past life? But I think what what this theory kind of says is like, no, this might be baggage of your family, Mm -hmm. you know? And and how do you recognize that, work through it, and ultimately start to let it go, right? Mm -hmm. Start to kind of change some of those behaviors that you were talking about. So interesting. It's an interesting little dip, um, Mm -hmm. especially for our social workers out there into psychodynamic theory. Right. Um, Another... Kind of what I think we're going to see a lot of um, 
in the therapy and clinical world is we kind of see this rise of internal family systems theory, IFS. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I'm watching it pop up a lot more like on podcasts. I hear people talking about it. I see trainings around it that people are becoming IFS or internal family systems theory certified clinicians. Um, and a really the, the book that talks about IFS is No Bad Parts mm-hmm. by Richard Schwartz. That was also a bestseller. I mean, it kind of hit like this, the psych world and the pop psych world pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really interesting. Um theory and we probably don't need to get into it now but essentially what it like quick and dirty what it talks about is we are all made up of all of these different parts that have Mm -hmm. kind of splintered and fragmented because of our life experiences right because of our trauma because of our relationships all of those types of things and the goal of internal family systems theory is to kind of bring all of those parts back together and get some synergy and some integration right understanding Mm -hmm. that some of our maladaptive behaviors are like these parts that have splintered going off you know, mm-hmm. in, in doing them. So um, it's interesting. Yeah. It's kind of old school theory in the way that psychodynamic theory is kind of old school. You know, we, mm-hmm. we really saw this medical model kind of emerge around mental health. And I feel like it's swinging back a little bit towards like trauma and integration and healing mm-hmm. and holistic kind of stuff. Right. And IFS, again, just another way to access yeah. some of that stuff that they talk about. And I just love the way that you know, we are, we are finally starting to more broadly recognize that, um, parts of our life are not good or bad. They're parts. They're just parts. And, and they, and they serve purposes for us at different points in time. So, you know, when, and I hate, I hate when people say, oh, that's just a maladaptive coping skill. Mm. And I'm like, no, absolutely. It is not. It's an adaptive coping skill every single time because at some point in time you develop that in order to keep yourself safe yes and maybe we're at a point now where we can release that because we don't need that we're out of the situation but we but we have to recognize that we're out of the situation it's that bridge over recognizing like oh, I don't have to keep myself safe in that way anymore. Let me get out of that old pattern because it just is the old story. Right. Exactly. And the old story isn't bad. The old story is just the old story. And I don't have to carry it if I don't want to. Right. And the old story worked for me. Like people pleasing is the most common example I use. People pleasing worked, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you were in a parent relationship or a romantic relationship that in order to get your safety and security needs met, you had to keep that person happy. Mm-hmm. People pleasing was important. People right. pleasing kept you alive. Right. But perhaps you are now in a space where you don't have to please other people before you please yourself. Right. And you know, and you can say like, "Thank you, Jill, who people pleased. Right. You're a fucking rock star. Like right. you got me here." But perhaps in this new chapter that doesn't mm-hmm. serve me. Yeah, right. absolutely. And again, it's it's so funny because all this all these books say all the same shit. Mm-hmm. That's you know, that's what they right. talk about. Um, the last one I would put in here is attached. Mm-hmm. And it talks about attachment theory. Um, in a super digestible way. Attached mm-hmm. is probably of the books I'm gonna that I talked about in this one is the most like pop psyche of them mm-hmm. all. Um, but it's, but I think it's good. Mm-hmm. So that is by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. Mm-hmm. And it's just called Attached. And it talks about the different types of attachment. So we know. It's the one with the magnet on the front. It's got the magnet. Yes. Like white I think with red. I, I think I read about good. half of that. <laughs> I think it's good for people that maybe um, 
are struggling to find like security and romantic relationships. Yes. Attached is about romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it draws the parallel about how our childhood experiences, um, partic- like we're talking childhood like zero to four, like mm-hmm. early childhood experience. Yeah. We know, those of us, you know, that do clinical work, social working people know that attachment is really formed in those first couple years of life. Mm-hmm. Often like those first couple months of life, right? right? But, you know, depending right. on what happens, I would say we, we consistently say first couple years. And people typically have um, one of three attachment styles. So they are securely attached, which mm-hmm. means that they can form like secure and trusting attachments mm-hmm. romantically with other people. There are people who have avoidant attachment that exactly as it says, like who, you know, avoid that attachment. It makes them nervous. Like people getting mm-hmm. too close feels really scary and unsafe to them. So there's often like walls and barriers put up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it talks about people who are anxiously attached. So people who overattach, who constantly fear abandonment, who worry yep. that the attachment, it might initially appear secure, but it's just mm-hmm. like there's a lot of anxiety around it, right? right? Anxious attachment. And then there are some people um, that have kind of like what they call disorganized attachment, which is essentially like a mixture of anxious and avoidant mm-hmm. traits. Right. Um, perhaps because, you know, th- there was maybe some more chaos or inconsistency mm-hmm. in the attachment model. And this book not only talks about the different attachment styles and gives you like a quiz to figure out which one is yours, it also talks about how those like manifest in relationships mm-hmm. and what does it look like when an anxious and an avoidant person get together. Mm-hmm. What we learn in the book is often anxious and avoidant people go toward, like, they um, are attracted to each other, right? right? And that's where you see a lot of push-pulls in unhealthy Mm -hmm. relationships. It talks about what does an anxious with a securely attached person look like? Mm -hmm. What do two anxiously attached people look like? And it kind of gives different percentages of, like, kind of what do the array of relationships look like? Mm -hmm. Specifically, I think most of their research was done in the United States. Um, And it's good. It helps give some good insight. It helps you kind of recognize... um, behaviors where things might have gone wrong Mm -hmm. in romantic relationships and it gives like some really practical tips for starting to if you do have an anxious or an avoidant attachment style how can you start to address some of that Mm -hmm. and work through some of that yeah Mm -hmm. so I like it I think it's Mm -hmm. good um so those are kind of all the ones for trauma hurt loss grief Brianna Weist did write a book called this is how you heal um, which again, just more like a collection of essays and, and meditations, um, not super like clinical or based in any sort of theory, mm-hmm. um, I would say there. So we could talk a little bit about anxiety, stress management, mm-hmm. productivity. Does that sound good? Yeah. yeah. Um, one book that Amber brought up that you said that you did in your twenties was the depression and anxiety workbook. workbook. Tell us about that a little bit. So... Um, that is, I mean, it is just what it says. It's a workbook. And it helps walk you through um, just anxiety in general. How does it manifest? What are different ways that, uh, it, it like, it, it walks you through, like, the self-discovery of why do I have um, maybe anxiety attacks or these episodes of anxiety? Like, how am I getting there? And it helps walk you through and then unpack it. Like, go back and say, okay, where could I um, start to see that this is happening and intervene for myself in a way that I avoid getting all the way to the point that I'm, you know, having some type of, like, physiological response to my anxiety or depression. And... When I, when I received this book, I, re, I had a um, therapist 
say, you know, hey, work through this anxiety and depression workbook. Um, I had been dealing with um, anxiety attacks for, at that point, I don't know, like four or five years. Um, I had had a whole host of um, medications that were prescribed to me that had side effects that led to other symptoms that led just like a whole mess. And then finally, um, I, I kind of pulled back from all that and said, you know, this, this does not feel right. This is not right. Mm-hmm. And started to see a, a therapist and to come off of some of those medications. And what it really came down to for me was, yes, I do experience, um, you know, what they would have considered at that point an anxiety disorder. That really was the basis of um, all of my symptomology. And so going through that workbook really helped me understand um, why I was having so many anxiety attacks because... And, and I've heard this from a lot of people, you know, anybody that has not had an anxiety attack or has not experienced that probably thinks that like a situation happens and you become very anxious and then you have an anxiety attack. Like it all just kind of happens together. And of course, you know where it came from because, right. you know, this thing just happened. And I'm sure that that does happen for some people. I don't know those people. And I, that is not my experience. My experience is stuff it down, stuff it down, stuff it down. Mm-hmm. And then one day you're just sitting watching TV thinking you're relaxed as hell and your heart starts beating so yes. fast that you're sure you're going to die, right? Mm-hmm. And you start having this anxiety attack. And then now you are having more anxiety because you're like, oh, certainly I'm going to die because my heart's (laughs) beating so fast and you know it's an anxiety attack and you have just this back and forth in your head that causes more anxiety and you're trying to calm yourself down, right? And so through doing this work in the workbook, it kind of helps you unpack like there were signs before that. There are things that you know that you could do to reduce that anxiety along the way so we don't get to that place. And when we get to that place, what do we do? What is our plan? How are we, you know, talking ourselves out of this? What does our breathing look like? What does our body posture look like? Those types of things. So I found it to be extremely helpful in just, you know, starting to unpack that for myself. Um, because, you know, I mean, you can go to therapy and, and unpack that with the therapist, sure, but I just felt like me sitting down with myself and journaling that and being, because at that point in time, I was not like, I don't know, I don't feel like I trusted therapists at that point in time, sure. even though I was going to them. I had just had some bad experiences around therapy and medication, and um, it was easier to go through the workbook because I could sit there with myself. And, yeah. and it was a, it is a nice, very pointed way to guide you through it. No, that's good. And I think especially for people maybe who don't have a clinical background that mm-hmm. I imagine there's a quite a bit of like psychoeducation in that yeah. book that's telling you these are what symptoms look like. No, this isn't because there's something broken with you. This isn't because there's mm-hmm. a physiological problem. Like these are just symptoms of depression. These are symptoms of anxiety. Right. This is how it manifests. So. Yeah. And I did that workbook long before I ever went to school for social work. Exactly, yes. And I think that's a good one for people who, if they think that perhaps mood, like depression or anxiety, is causing some ongoing issues in their Mm -hmm. life, perhaps that's a good thing to work through. 
and start with. Um, another book that I really recommend around more like chronic anxiety and burnout is the book called Burnout. Mm. Um, it's the secret, it's called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. And it's by Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski. Um, and it talks a lot about, it's some more psychoeducation and it tells us like why do we experience burnout? Why do we experience chronic stress and fatigue like down to our, the physiological reason, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it talks about, you know, Essentially, we encounter all of these situations throughout our days and our weeks that that cause our like our cortisol to hit, our adrenaline mm-hmm. to hit, and then we don't do anything to release it. Mm-hmm. Like we get like we're in a you know we're driving to work and we're real stressed and our you know our anxiety's high, our cortisol's high, and then we just like get to work and we sit down, right? We don't mm-hmm. do anything physical to release. Right. Um, you know, these hormones that come in stressful mm-hmm. situations. Whereas, like, back in the day when we were, like, cave people, like, a, they give the example, like, a lion would chase us and, like, we would be terrified, right, that we're going to get eaten, but then we would run. And the running releases the hormone. Right. So they talk about how do we essentially implement daily practices that will allow us to complete the stress cycle so we're not holding on to all of these you know, just lingering, like, hormones, adrenaline, feelings, things Mm -hmm. like that. And it's good. And for people that like a little bit more, like, sciencey stuff, and Mm -hmm. it talks a lot about the relationship between the body and the mind when it comes Mm -hmm. to stress and burnout, it's a great book. So I would recommend that one. Um, The other two books that I think are are good, and this is where I should talk about, too, we do a thing um, called the Third Wheel Thursday Review, Mm -hmm. where most... Thursday, at least one Thursday every month or two. We try to strive for every month, but you guys know how life goes. But typically one Thursday a month, we will publish like a book review. Mm-hmm. And often the, the books kind of vary. A lot of them are around self-help. Some of them are more like social working in nature. Some of them are more, um, you know, like equity, racial justice kind of based. Um, but it gives like a quick and dirty summary a couple takeaways, if this is a topic that really interests you or feels relevant to your work, how could you dive deeper? Mm-hmm. Um, so two of the books that we have had in the last couple of years on our Thursday Third Wheel review are Drop the Ball, Achieve More by Doing Less mm-hmm. by Tiffany Dufu, D-U-F-U, um, and then the book Resilient by Rick Hansen, mm-hmm. which I think are just good books where we kind of Again, just examine what do our daily practices look like. Are we overwhelming ourselves? How do we build resilience? Um, and I would just highly recommend both mm-hmm. those books. Yep. And we have them outlined on our blog, just a little bit more information if you're interested in those. Another book that I um, have had recommended to me that I have not read yet, but we did have in our blog, um, that is 4,000 weeks, which I think is how many weeks we have in the normal life, like in a normal lifespan you have 4,000 weeks. Really? That's it. Man. Isn't that crazy? I think that's, or maybe it's 4,000 adult weeks. I don't really know. But anyways, the book is called 4,000 Weeks, and it's called Time Management for Mortals. Um, okay. And it's it's by Oliver Berkman, and I've heard really, really good things about it. So maybe people who are struggling a little bit with, I would think, organizing their day, prioritization, right? Not mm-hmm. getting caught up in the not important stuff, thinking about what do you really want to accomplish in mm-hmm. this month, in this year, in this lifetime? Right. And how do you allocate your time and energy accordingly? Mm-hmm. I've heard really good things about it, so I thought yeah. I'd shout it out here. Um, I think 
I want to give a quick shout out, and maybe this is just like selfish to me, but um, right now in my self-care practice, I'm really, I've, I've done like a lot of in the last couple of years kind of unpacking some of my personal like religious indoctrination and finding my own brand of spirituality and faith that really works for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think um, as a millennial woman, I am alone in that journey. I mm-hmm. think there are a lot of people that have experienced um, religious trauma or mm-hmm. just, you know, d- maybe didn't have the most healthy relationship um, with, with organized religion or with mm-hmm. God. And there's been... I think there's been some kind of pioneering authors, I would say, Mm -hmm. um, that I have had recommended to me and that I would recommend that write some books around some of that. And the two authors that I hear a lot are Caitlin Curtis, and that's spelled Mm -hmm. C-U-R-T-I-C-E. Caitlin Curtis is an indigenous woman, but grew up kind of in the white evangelical church and is, I think, unpacking a lot of that. Um, mm-hmm. And I've heard her books are, are fantastic. I've read one of her books, but not really specifically around that. I read Native, which was really good. Um, and it speaks a little bit to kind of her reimagining, like, who is God? You know, what does that relationship look like? You know, mm-hmm. outside of this kind of very colonized white Jesus, right, that right. many of us have here in America. Um, and then Nadia Bowles Weber has written several books around this as well that I've had recommended to me. One book that I did want to shout out on here um, is Come As You Are, which is by Emily Nagoski, who wrote Burnout. Okay. But Come As You Are is all about sex, particularly mm-hmm. for women. Mm-hmm. And I think for many of us, we know that like our sex education, our views on sex, the way we feel about sex can be very entangled Mm -hmm. with religion and religious indoctrination. And come as you are is, it starts out like just very scientific, like Mm -hmm. talks about like, you know, the parts of our bodies as women and men. Right. And, um, and just things that we were never taught, mm-hmm. right? I don't know about a lot of people on here, but a lot of my sexual education was very rooted in religion and purity mm-hmm. culture. And um, so it starts out very scientific, and then it just, you know, talks mm-hmm. about, I think the goal and how I felt after reading it is like a much healthier view of sex, of, mm-hmm. of my own sexuality. And I think it is a must read. I highly recommend mm-hmm. Come As You Are. Um to anyone, and particularly women. Yeah. Because I do think we are a bit more shame. I think we're shaming around sex to people of all genders, right. number one. Yeah. And certainly for people who do not fit within the gender binary. Right. Um, but I also think for women, um, particularly women that had pretty strong religious upbringings, yeah. there's a lot of shit to unpack yeah. about yeah. sex. And Come As You Are is a great tool mm-hmm. to do that. Um, so I did want to shout that one out yeah. here. There's also another book around just body image in general um, for women. I, and I, she does talk a little bit about, um, I guess, I don't know. If you're a man, read it. See, see, see how you feel about Let it. Report know. back. <laughs> Report back as to whether or not it kind of like touched your soul the same way. But it's called The Body Is Not An Apology. And it's by, um, what is it, Sonia? Renee. Renee Taylor. Um and that's a really good book if you are um, struggling with body image. 
you're struggling with old stories that you're carrying along with you about your body, about what your body should look like, how it should feel, what is attractive, what is not attractive in this world, um, what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do based on your body size, um, mm. your shape, um, the color of your skin, your um, abilities with your, you know, your physical abilities. Um, it just really unpacks a lot of things. And I, and I liked it a lot because at the end of every chapter, there is some like reflection questions that she poses oh. around um, body image and just some things that you could use to kind of like journal and unpack for yourself. Um, so very good read. And also if you don't, you know, I, I am someone who wants to listen to an audiobook um, in general, but I bought her book and got the audiobook because I knew that there were things in there like the prompts and things like that that I would want to like be able to look at. But she reads her own book and it, it's oh. really, really good. It's really, really good. Nice. No, that's a good one. Thank you, Amber. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about, I have a bunch of books for social workers, but we have been jabbering about books for quite a while, mm. which is, I mean, as a super nerd, I could talk about books. This is like my favorite <laughs> podcast ever, All the Live Long Day. But the last um, tool that I think is really cool for self-discovery and something that I've really enjoyed and that I see a lot of my colleagues using for themselves, for their teams, for their families, is the Enneagram. Mm, so the yep. Enneagram is a personality test. It's like a very ancient personality test. And there is some, it is rooted a bit in Christianity. Um, so I will give a trigger warning because I think the best, so the best book I think to figure out what your Enneagram number is, is called The Road Back to You by Ian Crone and Suzanne Stabile. What I will trigger warning is that they are both, um, pretty devout Christians. And, mm -hmm. and Enneagram is rooted in Christian theology, mm -hmm. um, but like ancient, ancient Christian theology before it got like weird and evangelical. Um, but the first chapter of The Road Back to You is a little Jesus-y. I'm just mm -hmm. gonna put it out there. For me, I was like, I'm not trying to listen to all this shit, right? So I skipped the first chapter. Um, but The Road Back to You is good and it goes through each Enneagram number and kind of helps you identify which Enneagram is yours. Mm -hmm. So there are nine numbers on the Enneagram. It goes mm -hmm. one through nine. And Enneagram speaks to our motivations, what motivates our behavior. Mm -hmm. And the Enneagram kind of says that we are either motivated by shame, by fear, or by anger, right? That's kind of our main motivating kind of... Um, I don't know, energy, emotion, things like that. And then each, there's, and so there's three numbers associated with each of those. There's also a lot in the Enneagram, like which numbers are thinkers, which numbers are feelers, which numbers are doers, which of those things are suppressed, right? It, it's, I'm totally butchering this, but the Enneagram is good. Mm -hmm. And knowing your number is good. Right. And, um, it helps, I think it really helps you engage in self-reflection. It helps you think about, What's really, like, what are your strengths? What are some opportunities? And then there's a second book called The Path Between Us, mm -hmm. also by Ian Crone. I think Ian Suzanne Stabile. Mm -hmm. And that says, figure out what your partner's Enneagram is. Right. Figure out what your coworkers, your kids, your mm -hmm. parents, your siblings, because it helps give some insight on how to interact with people of mm -hmm. other numbers. 
Um, and then the final book is The Journey Towards Wholeness, and that's just by Suzanne Stabile. And that talks about, like, how do you kind of round out yourself? Like, me as an Enneagram 4, there are some things that I've got on lock. Like, I can feel every fucking feeling there ever was to feel in the world, right? I am a good thinker. But how do I round out some of, like, translating those feelings and thoughts into actions, right? How do I verbalize some of that? How do I work through some of the challenges that come with being an Enneagram 4, right? And it really mm-hmm. talks about kind of that that rounding out and playing into the strengths of your mm-hmm. number. So highly recommend the yeah. Enneagram for self-discovery. Yeah. And also, so I've not read these books, but I am familiar with the Enneagram. And, like, if you just want to do, like, a little dip and be like, let me just look at this before I, like, get down to reading all of these or books. Or read 600 pages. Right. And I mean, truly, like, I just want to know my Enneagram number and have, like, a little brief overview. Like, I want the, you know, cosmopolitan test type <laughs> of a thing. Um, there's a website called the Eclectic Energies. It's eclectic, E-C-L-E-C-T-I-C, energies, all one word. And there's a free Enneagram test on there. Take the long one. Don't take the short one. Um, and it will tell you what you are. It'll tell you what number you are and what wing you are. And you can read in there. It gives nice descriptions of things Mm -hmm. it's not going to be nearly as in-depth as this book is going to be or these series of books are going to be um but that's just a nice way to kind of like start and look at it and see like does this resonate with me at all right because because for some people they're going to be like no like an enneagram does not resonate with me like i don't see myself in these ways and maybe you need to do your self-discovery in other in other ways but this is just another tool so that's a nice website where it's free and you can you know do a little enneagram test and kind of see where you're at yes and i think you know the true enneagram gurus would be like you can't figure out your enneagram from a test which we know is true Mm -hmm. and um but i do think it's a good way to start to get an idea of like okay what are some of the traits that are popping out for me and then when you get the book or if you get the book the road back to you each chapter is a different number and it starts with a checklist like Mm. if you have some of these traits like so for me i didn't have to read the whole book because there's a couple checklists i read where i'm like this is not this yeah. is certainly not me. Right. Right. So I do think there is a way to kind of narrow it there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I would like to, I think we should do this later on. Maybe we'll get somebody that's real versed in the Enneagram to come on and kind of yeah. talk through some of the numbers. Enneagram's cool. It just yeah. is. And it really, in my experience, um, facilitates self-discovery helps us think critically about the way we're showing up in relationships, the way we're showing up in the world. I do a lot of Enneagram work with, like, the people I supervise and and stuff like that just because I think it's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Woo! Wonderful as a leader to use that yes. on teams. We, I've done that before. Yeah. yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, and there's like a lot of like Enneagram retreats. There's a lot of, you know, Enneagram Ashton. You can follow her on Instagram. Like there's a mm-hmm. lot of like, you know, people on the socials that do Enneagram work, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was a lot of books. Dude, that's a lot. We didn't and even it wasn't them even all. it wasn't even close to all of them. So, uh, if you learn nothing else, you learn that I am a super nerd. And the yeah. good news is, is I own all of these books. That is one thing I wanted to say. I do think sometimes when you're doing self helpy kind of work, having a physical book is good. I'm mm-hmm. not a physical book kind of lady. Mm-hmm. I don't like to listen to books, but I I read them all on my iPad or on my phone. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a big Kindle girl. But I do think having the self-help books is good. You can take notes. You can highlight. You can right. reference back to them. And you can loan them out to your friends and colleagues. Yes. You know, you have a physical book that yep. you can give somebody as a gift. So um, that's what I would recommend for that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anything else? 
I don't think so. Do we want to pull a card today? Yeah, let's pull a card. Okay. Let's they, end with the card pull. They're coming out of this deck because I already knew this morning. Right, Normally already... I let Jill choose, <laughs> um, but not today. No, it's all right. I don't need to pick. Yeah. This one is Maybe a little more will... witchy. This... Maybe this will help people decide. I love a witch card. Help people decide where to start. Yeah. Where to go next in the journey okay. of self-discovery. So um, this uh, Oracle deck is called Practical Magic. Um, and it is, and we're talking about books. The actual um, book for the Oracle is the size of almost a novel. Like It, it is like a novel. It is. Like uh, a little murder mystery. Yeah. Um, so it is definitely a big, and this is one of my newer Oracle decks. So. I invite everyone in podcast land to go ahead and take a deep breath and release and know that you have received exactly what you needed to receive today as you listen to this podcast. Yes. All right. Here we go. These are cool cards. Yeah. I like the color. Yeah. They're um, kind of spooky. But like spooky in a... Spooky in a good way. Some a, of them, some of them are like kind of... Uh, some of them are a little dark. Um, I will I will say some of them are a little dark, but um, we'll see what we get today. I know what I pulled this morning, and it was not dark at all. It was so wonderful. It was so snuggly. There it is. There she is. Oh, I got this the other day. Express your heart. The story keeper. The story Jesus. keeper. Could it be any more I know. Perfect. Just about. And she's holding a book. She's sitting She on, is literally holding a book. Yes. Yeah, she is literally yes. holding a book on the throne. <laughs> and um, and this one really, like, I'll kind of read you a couple things out of the, out of the book that comes um, along with it. But I just pulled this the other day. And um, this really has a lot to do with the stories that you tell yourself mm. and the stories that you hold on to and knowing that you sit on your own throne with your own book and you get to write your own story and pull out the old stories that no longer serve you on your it. journey. So the, what it starts out saying here, it, it gives ask you a couple questions. So these are going to be some nice prompts. What do you believe? What values mean the most to you? And who are you really when you throw off everyone else's perception of you? Mm. And when we we just did an entire podcast on self-help books, mm -hmm. and that is exactly, those are exact questions a lot of times that yes. we are trying to answer yes. when we are going to, you know, these self-help books and trying to figure out, like, what do I believe? What are my values? Who am I really down to my core? Um, this card is asking you, how honest you've been lately with yourself mm. and what the and with yourself and with the world it's challenging you to go within so you are certain that what you say and do is a true expression of your soul oh yep i love it I love it. And she looks so cool reading her book. She up is. On her throne. She's, we, like, every, she's like, all of our listeners are going to be her. I love yes. it. Yes. Yes. She is definitely sitting there reading and writing her own story. So we will definitely, we'll take a picture of that and put it up on the social mm -hmm. um, just so you can see the, uh, the deck itself um, in case you are interested in getting that. And then, and I got that at the Second Street Market here in Dayton at Winches of Wormwood. So I think that they still have a couple of those decks I've seen. Oh, so. nice. All right. Well, let's call it. This All was right. a good one. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Guided by Third Wheel, the podcast. 
We would be honored if you would like, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, be well.